Imagine you're 12 years old and you are a fan of a musical group and you decide to start a newsletter which takes off that becomes a relationship and builds a company and to this day you are working with literally the biggest names in the history of entertainment. That's Cassie Petrie's story, my guest on this episode of Unbeatable. You want to talk about names that everyone around the globe will recognize? She's worked with them, and we're going to talk about them on this episode of Unbeatable. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable. Thank you for listening to this episode. It wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for my friends at the Solomon Foundation. This is a group that helps you invest. And if you want to take a little bit of money and make an eternal impact at the same time that you're getting a great return on your investment, well, just go and check them out at thesolomonfoundation.org. Now here's my episode with Cassie Petrie and her company, CrowdSurf, on this episode of Unbeatable. Hey, Cassie, thanks for joining me on this episode of Unbeatable. Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you have offices all over America. Where are you dialing in from right now? Well, I don't technically have offices anymore. Oh, we only have an office in Nashville now, but I have people oh, all over. We use WeWork now. Um, so technically uh-huh. I have an office everywhere, but um, where we mostly have most of our team based out of now is uh, New York area, Nashville, and Los Angeles. Uh-huh. So you use WeWork, which means you guys might need to be looking for another company pretty soon. Those folks have been struggling for a little bit. I don't know. I mean, if they're if they're struggling leads me to currently having a good deal right now, I feel good about it. Yeah, who knows? Maybe you should buy a huge office complex at a discount, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, the way that they work right now, they basically, it's like $150 a person to have access to all of their offices. So I think that's a really oh, good solution for the moment. Sweet deal right there. It yeah. really is. It's for a business owner. Um, you can't beat it. And for a city like LA where everyone lives all over and they're able to go to their closest office if they choose to, I, I think it's a really good situation. Yeah. But by the way, for the audience, this isn't a paid advertisement for WeWork, but if you're trying to afford office space in downtown Los Angeles or in Manhattan or even in Music City, USA, it's going to be crazy expensive. So no no wonder you guys would use WeWork or somebody like them. Yeah, it's it's a great solution. Uh can can we go back in time a little bit? Let's talk about this 12-year-old girl that's a super fan of the boy band and how your life took off like a rocket and it really hasn't ever started to come back down yet. Um so what caused you to create a newsletter at 12 years old about the Backstreet Boys? It was combining two loves that I had at that time in my life. I loved the Backstreet Boys. They were the first group artist music entity that I ever really, really loved. And at that time, the internet was becoming popular, like the AOL version of the internet where you would, you know, have dial up and, and get online. And I, I, I was having a lot of fun with that. I actually bought a book and learned how to HTML code and was building little websites and building newsletters like the one you no, mentioned. Uh, you were writing code as a 12-year-old girl when the internet was still brand new and shiny? Yeah, I thought it was really fun. Um, and I, you wow. know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm an expert coder now by any means, but I still use a lot of that base knowledge that I learned then now, especially when 
we get in a pickle in website design. And I remember one time our website designer, our main one was designing a site and his dad died in the middle of a launch. And I was like, guess I'm getting in there and figuring uh, it out. Guess I'm going to design a website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been really, um, really useful to under, I wouldn't say it's my forte, but to understand how it works still comes in handy today. But I just, it was really a way of combining those two interests that I had. And it was really, really fun. Um, I had a really good time designing it and good time sending it out and good time building a community and meeting other people who had similar interests to me. I don't know if I should use this term because you're still pretty uh, young and you still are, and you're very, very influential in the entertainment industry. But if you're talking AOL back in the day or uh, MySpace back in the day, you're one of the OGs, the original gangsters of social media and the whole internet uh, entertainment marketing industry. If you've been around doing that since you were a 12 year old girl. Yeah, I, I feel really fortunate with my timing. I openly call myself a social media dinosaur all the time. I've literally been there since. <laughs> that phrase is a contradiction <laughs> in terms, a dinosaur in social media. Yeah, I love dinosaurs. I like reptiles too. That's just my thing. So social media dinosaur okay. is, I'm, it's, I think it's like the utmost compliment when it comes to my taste, but I, I, you know, I definitely, I call myself a social media dinosaur all the time. I've been doing it since it's existed, which is, and I actually had to like testify that in court one time. So I felt, I feel really, really? good. Like, yes, um, I was an expert witness and I had to, when you're an expert witness, you have to prove that you're an expert. You have to prove, you know what you're talking about. Yes. You have to prove you're an expert. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I, that was one of the things I, I talked about in there. And so I really did research to like confirm I was one of the first people in the space. And I, I truly was. So I've been doing it since it existed, for sure. I am impressed because you are significantly younger than me. I remember all of the stuff that we're talking about right now. And the fact that you have been around and been an expert in it since it started at such a young age is really, really impressive. Um, we're going to talk in just a few minutes about your company and about we're going to blow people's minds with the people that you you have worked with, <laughs> the people that you've represented. That's what we're going to do for most of this episode. But before we do that, let's talk about Jade. How did you two connect? When did you two first meet? <laughs> Jade and I met in college. And she's right. from Virginia. I'm from Kentucky. And we both went to Middle Tennessee State University, which is outside great of school. Nashville. Yep, great school. Especially for what we do. Sure. And that that's why that's what, you know, both uh, we both went there for the music business program. And we lived in the same uh, dorm hall on the same floor. And I was at the time I was one of my first jobs was being a Warner Music College rep. So I would go to CD stores and like set up displays and run concert ticket giveaways with like frat houses and stuff. Uh, my not, you job. were everyone's best friend in college is what you were saying. Everybody <laughs> wanted to get to know Cassie. Oh, I don't know. I kind of flew under the radar um, because I was also super competitive and I... And the way the school was set up, they basically it's super competitive because you only everyone can enroll in the music business program, but they only take a certain level yeah, yeah. Num or number of people once you get to junior senior level. It's called candidacy. So everyone was actually super competitive. Um, but Jade, so Jade and I think initially were kind of competitive, one for that reason, and two, she would 
Apparently she thought I would go make business calls in front of her dorm hall because she lived at the end of the hall and I would go there to get reception on my phone. And she thought I was doing it to like just showing her off, showing off. Right. Yeah. Yes. But that was definitely not the case. And it's really funny to think about it now. But we eventually became friends. Well, anybody who most people don't uh, know of the school, Middle Tennessee State University, but MTSU has a huge program that is very influential in the entertainment industry just because of this close connection to the music industry in Nashville. Um, so man, um, when did you and Jay decide, Hey, you want to go into business together? Do you want to try to make a, a go of this thing together? When, what was the original conversation like? Um, did, was this the plan from the start for, for both of you? Definitely not. I remember when we were both together the first time we were like kind of browsing MySpace cause it came out. The, our first yes, year of she just said browsing my, MySpace while she was in college. Yeah, it was awesome. I miss it. And we were looking at MySpace and I I remember I turned to her and I said, I'm going to run MySpace pages for a living. Like that's totally a job. And I don't know if she believed me or not at the time, but I actually took that concept to my boss when I was a Warner Music College yeah. rep. And I said, I want to do this. And she's like, I don't really get it, but I'll connect you with, um, she said, I'll connect you with somebody in Nashville that works in digital and let you talk about it. And I'll also let you pick one of the artists that are our priorities and you can manage their MySpace page. So I did both of those things. Wow. And that eventually yeah. led to, I was at temp at Warner. I led to a temp job at Warner working in the digital department. It was just me and the head of digital. And that was the digital department at the time. <laughs> and we, and I temped for three years, but it became too much work for me. So I actually asked, can we hire Jade as well? So Jade and I were both working at Warner handling MySpace pages and a bunch of other yeah, things like yeah. email lists. We were managing ringtones, which is funny to think about now. Oh, um, ringtones. Anybody remember ringtones? Yes. I remember when people used to pay money for a hit song to be their ringtone. Yes. Wow. Yeah, so that's we were, a blast. That was part past. of yeah, so we were doing that. We were in then ringbacks where you hear a song when you call somebody. We were working on all that kind of stuff. And we really liked what we were doing, actually. We felt fortunate. We felt like we had kind of found a niche within the music business. And the problem was there wasn't a place to grow within that niche at that point. There wasn't yeah. social media manager jobs. There weren't, there are other, you know, they're like, you can be the manager of our relationship with MSN and AOL or Yahoo, but we don't have jobs where they pay more doing right. like what you're doing right now. So that's when we decided to start our own company, not really because we ever had the dream of starting our own company, but because there wasn't really a way to grow. And I think we were ready to grow. There wasn't a way to grow without yeah. doing it. There were the job we wanted didn't exist. So we made it. Yeah. I want to just explain to the audience when you're working at Warner at this point, you're working for one of the biggest record labels in the world and some of the biggest artists in history. And you're also building digital and social at a time that it didn't exist. So you're pioneering new ground in the music industry at the same time, which takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of skill, to be honest. When you and Jade got together and said, hey, let's start a company, what was the original plan for Crowdsource? We didn't really have much of a, a plan. <laughs> I mean, there was hey, like, nice. we never made, we, well, we didn't, well, we didn't raise funding. So like, it's not like we had to make a business plan yeah. to be able to do it. You know, we didn't have to do 
like a lot of the things you learn because we we actually entrepreneurship was our minor and it wasn't because we wanted to start a business it, it's because it had the easiest course load in our opinion <laughs> that's why we did it yeah. but it ended up really working out because we got some classes in terms of like how do you register an LLC and how do you do you know what sort of taxes do you have to pay and where do you have to register a business if you start one so we definitely made some errors on that but we like kind of got some things right based upon some of the like baseline things we worked in class or, or learned in class and worked on in class so you know we we didn't really you know we just wanted to continue doing what we did but wanted a little more freedom and wanted to be able to have the opportunity to yeah make more money and not be a temp anymore that was really the only motivation to be honest <laughs> is this temporary being a temp uh, at warner doesn't isn't, isn't for me so let's go figure out a way to make more money and not have to do this for the rest of our life yeah and listen i was a temp for three years that's a really long time to be a temp. Yeah, and sure. it's not because they didn't offer me another job i just didn't like the task of the job that yeah i was offered and the only way i could grow and keep the job that I liked, but kind of go to the next level was to start your be, own company. Uh, yeah, it was to be a business owner. Um, anybody who's watching this episode right now on YouTube can see the platinum records on the wall behind you. <laughs> Man, you have worked with the biggest names, literally the biggest names in music. Um, when did you start to get a couple of big accounts early on in CrowdSource? And then what I want to do is just let people hear some of the people that you've worked with. But I, I want you to be able to tell them a little bit about the people that you've worked with, the companies that you've worked with, because the lineup is the who's who of entertainment and really even technology, uh, the technology industry. So some of the early clients that came to you uh, when you and Jade started CrowdSource, tell us about them. So our original set of clients was very kind of derived from what we had been working on in Nashville. So we had, we were working on a lot of country music uh -huh. and one of our first big clients was actually just capital Nashville as a whole because they were on a hiring freeze and weren't allowed to hire anybody internally. So they decided to use us and their roster was incredible. We were wow. working on. We were working on like Keith Urban, Luke Bryan, the launch of Lady Antebellum. I remember there was one point where they were thinking about dropping Eric Church and then the record we worked on did really well. And I think the digital marketing campaign was a part of that. Yeah. We, it, we, you know, that's just a handful of the amazing artists we got to work on. And then the first big pop artist that we got to work on came the next year and we still work with her today. It's a, I might have heard of her. Her name is Britney Spears, uh, but started working on. <laughs> That project at that point, and that project actually came from we were doing Nashville Star, which is kind of like a country version of American Idol, and the, a digital consultant on that project came to us and said, "Hey, do you know anybody like you in LA? Because there weren't people like us yet. Do you know anybody like you in Los Angeles wow. that would want to work on Britney Spears?" And I said, "I don't live in Los Angeles, but I would move there to work on Britney Spears." and it ended, I ended up not having to move to LA, but we still got to work on her project. And I'm grateful that we still get to work with her today. But that was, you know, a dream come true because that was the genre I grew up in. And the, it, it, it really to, you know, I had big names and country music and had built my skill set from that. But to be able to work with 
an artist that I yeah, loved sure. m- my whole life, that was a really, really awesome opportunity. Yeah. It just occurred to me, you're living in Nashville, Britney Spears' career's taken off and she's in LA. And so you're getting asked to move to LA to work with her, which shows you how early this was in the um, digital space. Because at this point, it sounds like people haven't made the connection. Wait, you can do this from halfway across the country. I don't actually have to live next to her to be able to represent her. Um, and yeah, it just occurred to me, it took us a while. It took people a while to figure that one out, especially in the digital arena, right? Yeah. And at this point you have to remember, like I was doing social media before there were like social media channels, right? Yeah. Yeah. Before there was, um, like smartphones or beyond a Blackberry. When I started my career as a Blackberry and actually watching the evolution of video and photo come onto phone we would get sent like these nokia phones that would have like video on them and that was mind-blowing at the time yeah yeah so so when you were doing if you wanted to be mobile in social media at the at the time you would have to carry a heavy laptop which i i did i had a giant sony bio and i would have a hot spot so that if i so that if i was at a restaurant and i needed to uh, make an update to a website I was able to do that in a timely manner, uh, but that's the only way you could operate because you couldn't do that kind of stuff from your phone yet. You couldn't get on a website and post something. You couldn't sit, click send on an email blast from a phone. You couldn't post something on Twitter from a phone in a in an easy way. At that point, there wasn't there wasn't the app yet, so it, it it's it's changed a lot. So I do understand wow. why somebody would want somebody more localized simply for that reason alone. We didn't have iPhones the way we do now. So you can't communicate the same way. There are 18, 19, 20 year old people listening to this broadcast and you are blowing their minds right now talking about (laughs) carting around a big laptop with a mobile hotspot so that you could update a MySpace page way back in the day before we have the instant communications that we all all have access to literally all over the world all over the globe. Um, Man, this industry has changed a lot since you helped launch it um, way back in the day. Yeah, definitely. And I'm grateful. A lot of people are like, oh, I hate the phone because I'm chained to it. And I'm like, I love the phone because I don't have to carry a laptop with me anymore. (laughs) I don't have to carry a laptop and a little brick next to it to connect to the internet. Yeah. And pray that like it works. And that thing was slow. It was not fast. Like, we have now. So yeah. I, I'm like grateful for the phone every day of my life because I remember what it was like working in the field I worked in without it. Okay. So you're a 12 year old super fan of Backstreet Boys. You're representing some of the biggest names in country music. Then Britney Spears pops up, but you get a chance to work on some legacy archives with maybe one of the biggest names in music history, Frank Sinatra. What about some of the other massive music artists that you and Jade have been able to work with. Can you describe some of them for the audience? Yeah. I mean, at any time at this point, our company has over a hundred different projects we're working on. So right now you have a hundred projects that you're working on. I mean, I don't personally work on all them. Sure. I'm I'm saying your company does. Yeah, but we, yeah, always. So we're, we're really lucky. We have some, like, you know, they call it legacy artists. So like you said, you know, Frank Sinatra earlier, but getting to work on projects like, Marvin Gaye, Temptations, um, like John Fogarty. Wow. Yeah, uh, Iron Maiden. 
<laughs> like all the, all, you know, all kinds of uh, genres within yeah. the, the wow. legacy genre. All the, all that's pretty cool. And then we work on a lot of artists that are big from, you know, my, I call it the TRL era when I'm growing up, but like, you know, Backstreet Boys. Yeah. We work with Pink and a lot of other great artists in that time frame. And then a lot of amazing artists, you know, for, that are currently releasing hits today, like uh, Camila Cabello, for example. So we, we yeah. really run the run the gamut and a lot of people who are uh, you know kind of of the tiktok generation or of uh, uh, you know that uh, you know i think that there was a trl era and now i think that warfare to this one day is like the tiktok era but there's a lot of artists that are you know have come out of that and that are you know yeah. currently building their career and we get to work with them too so i'm i'm grateful for the vast gamut i think it makes working at CrowdSurf really interesting and I'm I'm grateful for it. Tell me that you had the exact same person working on Iron Maiden, Frank Sinatra and Marvin Gaye all at the same time because that would be mind-blowing if you had one person doing all three of those very different styles at the same time. Um I mean I guess there probably are a couple people that are across all of them. I wouldn't call them like the day-to-day people, but they, but I think somebody could very easily. Like you would look at some people's roster and you're like, "Wow, that's all over." The that's place. all over the map, right there. Yeah. Some people like that though. Then some people like to be super specialized. Like there's one team member I have that's super specialized in like pop music of today. Uh-huh. And then there, I have somebody who's really specialized in, I would say, like alternative music. There, there's really there's a, a lot of different there's a lot of different people and types of people that work for us and they end up liking different things. And sometimes the, your personal music taste isn't necessarily the type of project that you yeah. end up working yeah. on sure, or, or working on, or the type of project that you like working on. Yeah. Like some genres are really fun to enjoy, but they're just may not be your cup of tea in terms of working with right. them. They all have their quirks and it's interesting to watch some younger people come in and think they want to work on, one type of project, but then they realize, oh no, I actually really like comedy, and I didn't think that would be my thing, or yeah. whatever. It's 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 fascinating for sure. How close does your team get to chance to get to the people that they represent? Um, how much interaction in general? It's pretty frequent at this point, but that's changed a lot over the years. At the beginning, not very often. You would maybe meet them in person, you know, for like a kickoff meeting when you you know, when they come to town for a show, that sort of thing. But now I would say with a majority of our artists, we are communicating with them directly. Yeah. You, you have to, it's, it's 15 Just because years of ago. the speed of the industry, uh, the speed of uh, the social media campaign. It's not even the speed. It's just that they care more about it being personally involved. Now, 10 uh-huh. years ago, it wasn't viewed as a, ne- a necessity necessarily to, be involved the way that you have to now. So there's just no way to, you know, people know if you're not in your account now. So they, we have to be talking to them directly. Yeah. And because they're more involved, they have a lot more questions themselves now versus before you would do a lot of communication via management. But now since they're involved, they'll be like, Hey, why is this glitching? Or how do you do this? how do you do this new feature on carousel or whatever? Um, but we have to have a lot more direct communication now. And I think that's great. I, I just, 
it's crazy to think that that's where it's gone because yeah. I remember at the beginning I would, you know, beg for more communication or content uh-huh. directly from the artists. And now sometimes I'm like, okay, stop sending me yeah, stuff. Stop so, emailing me. Stop texting me. Yeah. So it's, it's cool to see how it's evolved. Well, I ask you this question because I had a friend just a few months ago made a statement. I really had to think about it, but I was like, man, that statement seems so true. He said, do yourself a favor, never meet personally your heroes, those sports stars, entertainers, you know, the people that you really look up to, because for the most part, they're going to let you down. And I was like, that's a really sad statement. But my guess is there's a lot of truth to that statement. I got to wonder sometimes in your team, especially if they really love this artist growing up and now they get a chance to work with that artist. What is it like to work with somebody that you've really looked up to? And I'm talking, you know, the good and the bad that goes along with working with somebody that closely with a person that you really look up to that much. So I was actually really scared about working with the Backstreet Boys for that reason, because I didn't want it to taint my childhood. And I probably could have aggressively pursued that project earlier on in our career but I didn't want I was worried I didn't yeah. you know I did I'd heard good things about them but I didn't want you know you I didn't I want know to get your heart you didn't want to get your heart crushed right yeah basically and I, I think at some point I I had a really good kind of I think sort of last quote-unquote fan experience and I was like okay I'm ready to do it now like I'm ready to close this chapter and to try this with the Backstreet Boys. And I mean, I would say when it comes to them, if anything, they're amazing. And it's made me think even high, more highly of them, which wow. I All right. don't think is way possible. to go Backstreet Boys. Uh, they're, they're incredible. They've, they've been through a lot. And I think because maybe they've been through a lot, they've stayed pretty humble. They've had some pretty rough things happen in their career. And you know, been financially taken advantage of and a whole other slew of things. And the fact that they're still doing this and they're still good at it and they still like each other is, it's cool. (laughs) And they're, and they've always been kind to, to me and have seen my background as a fan as a strength versus something to fear. And I really respect them for that. I think they actually really enjoy that. Like I can talk to them about anything that's ever happened to them or have, know the old references like they they actually enjoy that but I, I i for some reason some people have put in my head that that would be quote unquote freak them out so i was a little hesitant about that at first but then i really you know the I, I was like maybe it's a strength and they, they really saw it as a strength so that was yeah a really good experience um but you know i will say there are downsides of working with artists like there, you know, there's been some, there's been, yeah, I wouldn't say they were my idols, but there's been some sour experiences with yeah. artists, whether it's their fault or somebody on their sure. team. And then when you like hear their song at the grocery store, like it sucks that that's a random trigger for you that I think most yeah. people wouldn't have. Like, right. oh, I didn't want to think about this person or this person on their team right now. So that, that part of it can suck is that sometimes an artist's it irritates you whether you're currently working with them or already have and you some sometimes you feel like you can't get away from it yeah um yeah. so th- that part of it is kind of a a downer but i will say everyone that i liked is a i feel like i'm really able to have empathy for the person 
that an artist is, but also like be a fan of who they are on stage. It's so different sometimes. Yeah. I mean, in most cases, and I, I I feel like I'm able. I don't know. I feel like anybody I work with that I love as a child, they're not able to to take that away from me because I I, I don't almost don't. They're almost they're two separate entities in my yeah. head. To be honest, I wanted people to hear that from you because I don't think the average listener understands kind of the all of the pressure that goes along with what you do for artists, but also the expectations on them. I am far from and hope I never am considered famous, but I've had more than a couple of people who have sent me a message and then they got mad and uh, were furious that I didn't respond 24 hours before, uh, you know, after I got this message and they basically replied, well, you're obviously a jerk and too busy for me because you didn't respond to my email or my message that I sent on your website yesterday. And I'm getting to it. I'm getting around to it. I just haven't got to it yet. And then it occurred to me like, wow, I am far from famous. I can't imagine what goes on for the biggest stars out there. And you have a responsibility of, you know, helping them. And in the middle of it, you can sometimes get your heart hurt a little bit too. Yeah, It's like you said, I don't envy the job of a famous person. It's, it's really, really hard. It, it's to have to like think about how people are going to react to everything you do and your financial, your financial success being attached to that in a, in a, like in a particular way, that's it's, it's really mentally challenging. Like yeah. if somebody doesn't like me, I might not make as much money as I used to. Right. I might have to lay off my staff. If this song that I love doesn't do well. Right. And it depends on what somebody else thinks about me. That's it's, it's really challenging. And then social media opens up a whole nother can of worms in oh, regards man. to. Sure. Yeah. Anybody says to, something about you on social media, it catches some, some, uh, you know, wind and all of a sudden that's what everybody in the world thinks about you, even if it isn't true. Yeah. It, it can be really hard. Like you really have to watch those comments or there could be, or 99% of the comments could be the same sentiment and be really positive about something, but one person can just like knock you down and i really and you know you can tell them all day long like don't let it get you down look at the 99 positive but i know it's not that easy i i i I get it it's so i i don't envy that it's artists are really mentally strong they have to be and and the only reason i think they go through all the hard parts of all this is because they literally they they would not be happy doing anything else besides making yeah, music. Sure. They, they, like that's that's the only reason you do this job. That's why you would put you up can't with the do pressure anything else. that fans put on you. Yeah, yeah, sure. that, and, and like and most fans, I wouldn't even if somebody like there's even pressure. If let's say all your fan base is a hundred percent nice, that's still pressure. You still oh, feel yeah. pressure to keep those people happy because you're so grateful for them being nice to right. you that you don't want to let them down. So it's. It's it's a lot. I, sure. I it's you have to be really really. It's not for the not mentally strong. That's for sure. Cassie, I'll share this with you. I'll tell you a little secret, um, and maybe nobody that's listening will hear. But uh, COVID was great for me because I was able to put a ball cap on and wear a mask and walk around and not get recognized. And then I went home one day after leaving the store, and I told my family, "Okay, you guys will never guess what happened to me." 
I'm standing in the checkout line. The person in front of me, I'm wearing a mask, got a ball cap on. And the person in front of me looks behind them once, twice, three times. And then they turn around and they're like, are you Jeff Struker? And I have a mask on and a ball cap. And I'm like, how <laughs> on earth did you possibly recognize me with the mask on? But I wanted to be kind. I wanted to be nice to this guy. I just came home and told my family, okay, that's a first for me. They even recognized me with a mask and a ball cap on. And I am far from famous. So I really, really, my heart goes out to the people that have this immense pressure on them. And as you said, pressure from fans that are negative, but pressure from fans that are really, really uh, positive, but you still get pressure um, all over the place. Yeah, you feel a sense of responsibility to yeah. those people. Um, I want to turn a corner in just a second, but this is the perfect time to ask you a few questions. These are not my questions, but I know that there's somebody who's listening right now. There's a guy who's listening and he says, okay, I want to make a viral video on YouTube. Cassie, tell me how to do that. Or there's a lady listening that says, I want to become the next Taylor Swift. Cassie, what's the secret recipe to become the next Taylor Swift? Or how do I have a viral video on YouTube? But they have no content, no talent. Just how do I do this using pure marketing to get there? So marketing helps people reach their goals, but marketing can't be the goal. It, it, it's uh, And what I mean by that is I, you have to know. I was going to say, I think you need to say that one more time, just because I'm afraid there are people that believe marketing will answer every problem that you'll ever run into. So can you say that statement again? Yes. Um you need, I don't know if I can say it again, <laughs> the way I said it, but. Oh, it was brilliant. You know, if you could just yeah, marketing, say it in the same way. Yeah. Okay. Marketing helps you reach your goals, but marketing shouldn't be your goal. So what I mean by that is you need to know why you're doing something outside of social media. Pretend it's the 1970s and social media doesn't exist. Why do you want to be the next Taylor Swift? Why do you want people to see your video? You need to know why you want to do that out and i hope always the reason is outside of attention for yourself if you want a video to go viral it's because you feel like people would have fun watching it or they would relate to it or they would learn something from it if you want to be the next taylor swift it should be because you think you're going to make people feel less alone by sharing your experience or you feel like there's a underrepresented group of people and you being an artist would bring more light to those people but you have to have a reason bigger than attention to get attention that you, is a some, very good statement and you can you can accomplish those things one off short term but i don't think you would ever get to the level of like taylor swift if your reason was solely like just wanting attention alone and yeah. wanting to be like somebody that you like that's just Man. not viable that was really well said. And I wish more people who, uh, by the way, if I understand the research correctly, right now, the number one aspiration for students in school in America, the number one ideal job for them is to be a social media influencer. I just want attention. I want lots and lots of attention and I want to make money getting attention for the rest of my life. And what you said is very well put. There has to be something more than just getting attention that is driving the attention that you want to get, or else it's just going to be a flash and a in a pan, if that at all. Yeah, even think about, I think a lot of people might feel like that thought 
derives from maybe something like the Kardashians. But even the Kardashians have evolved, you know, their, their very savvy at, business women. Holy yeah, I mean, smokes. They've they've created amazing businesses. They produce a really entertaining show. Like as much as people want to knock them for being this sort of influencer who doesn't do anything, they do a lot. And I think that they have taken their platform and have ended up doing a lot of good. I I love a lot of the brands that they've launched. And I think the show is fun to watch with people. And it also tackles some more heavy emotional moments. And I I, I don't know. I I think that they, you know, again, it it may be a, I don't know why they started doing what they do did, but I think that they evolved into having some really like nice offerings actually and doing things for good reasons yeah. in a lot of cases. I've never seen an episode of the Kardashians don't plan to, but I cannot walk through an airport in America without seeing some of the products that they've launched, which tells me, holy smokes, these ladies are very, very savvy business ladies. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, I think about... um you know, I think about Good American and, you know, that's one of the brands Chloe's involved in. And I, it really filled a hole in the market. And I, I loved how, how every product is like size inclusive and it's just mm-hmm. simple and, and, but well-made, but at a, a fair price, like it, it, I don't know, they, it, it was done correctly and it, it solved a problem for a lot of people. So I appreciate that. Well, Cassie, you haven't just uh, represented some of the biggest names in the entertainment industry. You yourself are a who's who in almost all of the list. When Before you were 30 years old, you were on all of the list of this is one of the 30 most influential people 30 years old and younger around the world. Uh, but you've also had a chance to work with some of the biggest names in tech and in entertainment like Disney and Universal, like Google or Apple, man, you have to be pretty versatile to be able to represent legacy artists like Frank Sinatra and to be able to work for Apple or Disney at the same time. What was that like when you started, when you're, um, uh, when crowdsources uh, industry or your um, businesses the businesses that you represented started to get very diverse. Yeah. And so businesses like that are so big that we're, you know, when we work with somebody like Disney, we're, you know, it's, you know, we're not, we're representing like a very niche part of them. So on Disney, we do a lot of work on their music properties. So Uh helping populate social media for things like Hollywood records or like Disney music. Um, And when we were working with Apple, we were, they they have on-air talent for Apple Music, so we are actually doing some advising and coaching on how those how those those that talent can better market their shows and themselves on social media. And then when we've done work with like Google and YouTube, it's been helping them run various programs that they that they execute that are music specific. So yeah. it's you know it's it's it, it it's kind of like our background evolved into other services that we maybe didn't even think that we could do. But when somebody asked us, we could do it. We're like, yeah, actually we have the experience and infrastructure to really execute on something like that. So it's been cool to be approached by companies at that, that level, because yeah. I, as a 20 year old, I would have never known. How do you go pitch Disney? I'd be like, I don't know. Um, so to actually be approached and get the opportunity to work with organizations at that level has, it's been really awesome. If you're driving and you just missed what she said, I'm going to say it again. This firm 
this woman is so talented that Disney, Apple, YouTube come to her with a problem uh, with a project instead of her going to them, which just tells the world how talented your team is. At the same time, though, you've been able to personally, your team has been able to be in the room with some of the biggest and the brightest thought leaders in the world. So can you talk about one or two of those experiences? Oh, biggest thought leaders. I mean, this is, I don't know if this, if this is going to be what people think I'm going to go to, but I'll never forget my pitch meeting with Steven Tyler. <laughs> um, like from meeting the him. front man from the band Aerosmith. Okay. Yes. And it just being like, it just, it didn't feel like real life to like sit in an office with that man and you know, try to, you know, sell him on what we, we do. And we did end up working with him for a long time and still pick up random projects and work with him from time to time. But just, I think any experience with him just is always been larger than life and felt like I was living in the pinch like, yourself a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, just a, I remember one time we, I, I uh, took him to, I did it like a, San Francisco day with him. So we went down to Facebook and toured the campus. And then we went up to Twitter after. And I remember after Twitter, we went down to, he wanted to go get some clam chowder, like down, you know, by the water. Sure. So we drove down there and I remember he rolled down the window and, and we were in a van. And I was sitting next to him and he rolled down the window and he just started like saying hi and like yelling at people. And you would see people kind of, the reaction was hilarious because you would see Somebody first be like, "Why are you yelling at me?" And then be like, "Oh my God, is that Steven <laughs> I was Tyler?" Say, like ev everyone me, recognizes him. Tell me, you did carpool karaoke with Steven Tyler while <laughs> you were getting a bowl of clam chowder in San Francisco? That would be epic. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to ever sing in front of Steven Tyler, Jesus. But um, I, you know, I, I did, you know, film some content that it was it was really fun. So That's that was cool. that was pretty pretty cool. And I think some of the people that I've been the most nervous to be around our songwriters actually because i i know really? the credits of all the songs i yeah so when i met max martin who's like you know he's one of the he's he's written like so many hit songs between you know when i started loving music when i was 12 to still writing hit songs today with like ariana grande and taylor yeah. swift he's he's just a pop music genius and i would say if anybody's going to kind of make me be starstruck and not be able to say something. It's somebody like him. That's cool. Well, I, I'm going to wrap this thing up in just a second, but man, you have, your company is, like I said, it took off like a rocket. It really hasn't come down yet. What are you, what are you excited about in the future? The projects that you're working on or the, the stuff that you see around the corner for the whole industry? What are some things that you think the audience would love to hear about that's coming down the pipe? So, in terms of what I'm, you know, working on now and how I want to evolve, I, I just always want to help artists more. You know, we started off running MySpace pages and we've evolved over the years to having a variety of different services. And that's just because I saw problems that artists have and I want to figure out how to help solve those problems. Uh -huh. So I look forward to continuing to evolve and solve those problems for them. I feel like my goal here on earth is to help artists in any way that I can. I feel like artists have a really hard job, but I also feel like they're really important to our society. And I want to do everything I can to help make their life a little bit easier so that they can continue 
giving us art that we love and, and need. I think it's really important. So that that's, you know, always the core of my goal that services may evolve, but that's always where, you know, my heart is. And in terms of social media, I think that what's next is I think whatever helps people find cool things to do in real life, that's going to be what wins next. I don't think it exists yet, but I'm ready for something to help us be more entertained in real life and connect in, in real life. And I think okay. whoever, whatever platform evolves to have tools to help us do that better is going to be important in the future. Yeah. So Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, if you're listening to this episode, and I'm sure you are right now, she's just given you the secret to what your platform needs to be able to do to do for us next. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, thank you. By the way, you have a very busy schedule. We've had to reschedule this a couple of times just because of how busy you are. But thanks for taking Sorry. a few minutes out of your time. <laughs> nah, it's all good. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your time to be on this episode of Unbeatable with me. Cassie's career took off from 12 years old and it has really never slowed down. Now, maybe you thought as you were listening to this episode that she's just had it made the whole way, but everybody has some ups and downs in life. And perhaps one of the reasons why she and Jade have been so successful in their company is because she knows exactly what her goal in life is. In fact, she said it at the end of the episode, her goal in life is to help artists who are struggling with something about their career. And I hope that you have identified exactly what your goal in life is and you're chasing after it just as hard as Cassie is chasing after her goal in life. I also hope you've heard a name or two in this episode that's gonna cause you to go out and to look more at CrowdSurf or maybe even check out Cassie's Instagram account that's just simply Cassie Petrie on Instagram. I want to thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And we have some pretty amazing fans that stay connected with us on social media. We're on all of the social media platforms because, as you just heard from Cassie, it's really not an option anymore. But if you haven't found us on social media, why don't you go ahead and search for us at Unbeatable Podcast. That's where you'll find us. You're going to also find some pretty amazing people out there like our fan of the week for this week. His name is Matt Isley. And Matt, I just want to tell you, you're awesome. Thank you for how connected you stay with us on social media. Thank you for how well you stay involved and be part of the Unbeatable Army. The Unbeatable Army is a group of guys and gals that are connected and I send them content all week long, emails delivered directly to their inbox. And if you want to be part of this group, it's totally free. Just my way of encouraging you throughout the week. So if you want to become part of the Unbeatable Army, just simply go over to unbeatablearmy.com. Thanks for tuning in this week and listening to Cassie talk about some of the incredible people that she's worked with. I'll see you right back here with a new guest and a great story next week. God bless.